And so, from there, we will talk a little bit about where we're going next. We're going into a new series. New series, Becoming a People Who. And I'll tell you who in just a minute. But before I do, I do need to mention again this resource that we have called Right Now Media. How many of you people have joined? How many of you have joined already? Raise your hands up high so I can see them. How many people have joined? So I see some hands still down. And you need to go ahead and get on board. Real easy. You can text right there. Take a picture of it. You can text at your first opportunity. Text to that number. That right now, CCC live to that number, 41411. And you can get a link so you can get online, get on board right now. Or you can wait until you get home and do it on your PC or on your tablet. But I tell you, you don't want to miss out on this, and it's going to make sense as we go through this message today. But once you do sign up, you will find yourself at a homepage that will look like this. And this is what's so cool. This homepage, and if you look on the left on the homepage, you will see, can we get that homepage up, please? Okay. Yeah, look at the homepage, and when you get into Right Now Media, once you get your password and your username and all that stuff squared away, on the left-hand side, where do you see that little hand pointing? Can you see that? Can, can you? Okay. I'm too little to go up there and point at it now, so y'all, y'all better look at it. All right. Well, you see that little, see, that's a channel made, designed just for us, just for Christ Community Church. So when you click on that channel, next thing will pop up is a sermon series that, that we're going to be following for the next 11 weeks. This is going to be a resource to help us in this sermon series that we're getting ready to launch this Sunday. And then when you go there, what it is, is there are individual um, skits, not skits, sketches and narration on each book of the Bible. Starting with Genesis, there's two in Genesis because Genesis has 50 chapters. And, and it's designed that when you click on it, it will it'll be a drop-down menu. It'll say day one, June, first, June 2nd, day two, June 3rd. You can't get lost. We try to make it as easy as possible. So every, this is the idea. Every day, we're going to be looking at one of the books of the Bible. It will give you an overview of it. It give you the highlights of the book and how you can apply it to your life. So we want to invite you to get on board. There's a lot of other things right now media can do and will do for you, but this is what is important for us as we go into this series that we're getting ready to go into. Okay. All right. So that's right now media, and I hope that you will get on board with it. You know, Today, we're launching this series called Live by the Book. Becoming a people who live by the book. Now, you might be confused with this set design behind me. You might think, well, you're talking about psychology. You're talking about, you're talking about politics. You're talking about a book of politics. No, no, I'm talking about the book. It, do, you have, do you have one of these in your possession? We're talking about this book, the Bible. Becoming a people who live by the book. To begin, I want to share a story with you told by Eugene Peterson. You might recognize that name, Eugene Peterson. He's responsible for the message paraphrase of the Bible. He told this story as he was working on a book that helped. It's a book called Eat This Book, a conversation in the, spiritual, in the art of spiritual reading. And I was reading this book, and I was listening, looking at the story, and I said, that's, that's a good story. I want to share it because I think it sets the tone for us. Peterson says that his wife picked up their seven-year-old grandson at noon on an October Saturday. His grandson's named Hans, and he had been attending a class in preparation for his first communion. 
Now, they were going to a museum and stopped on the way to eat their lunches. They stopped in a park, and they sat on a park bench, ate their lunch, and Hans, seven years old, was just talking away. Y'all, anybody got seven-year-olds? You know how seven-year-olds, you know, they just, they got so much to say. They just, they just nonstop. And Hans was doing that. And after lunch was over with, he, he kind of turned away from his grandmother, and he faced out to the park, and he took his book bag, took out of his book bag a New Testament that he had just been given by his pastor. And he opened it up, and he held it up before his eyes, and he proceeded to read. Those seven-year-old Hans, his eyes were moving back and forth across the page, and he was uncharacteristically silent and serious as he looked at it. After about a minute, he closed the testament, and he returned it to his book bag, and he said, okay, Grandma, I'm ready to go. Let's go to the museum. Now, his grandmother was impressed. Would you be impressed? His grandmother was impressed. But she was also abused because, you see, Hans didn't know how to read. He wanted to read. His sister could read. Some of his friends could read. But Hans couldn't read. And he knew he couldn't read. As a matter of fact, sometimes he would say to people, I can't read, just to make sure they knew he couldn't read. Peterson, when his wife told him that story, he was also impressed and amused. And after a few days of thinking about it, it developed into a parable for him because he began to think about it. Because he was working on this book about a conversation in the art of spiritual reading, and he was finding it hard as he thought about the people that were going to read this book. He was really kind of perplexed. He says, what is it, what, what is the impediment? What is the difficulty What is it that we share in common that when we pick up our Bibles to read it, we read it, but we don't read it? What is that? Peterson believes believes that because of this story about Hans, he, he began to get a little focused on this. He says the challenge of regarding regarding Christian scriptures is getting them read but read on their own terms and not our terms. Think about that for a second. Reading the scripture on its own terms and not our terms. It seems like that would be the easiest thing in the world to do. I mean, I'm looking around this room and look like all of y'all got at least five, six years of schooling. I think you do. Oh, I'm talking about elementary, you know, Everybody got at least five or six years, right? I mean, we know how to read, don't we? I mean, I see a few children in here that may not, but for the most part, everybody I'm looking at here, we know how to read. And it's not that, it's not that we can't read what's written in the Bible. And it's not that we don't have one. I mean, most people have one of these. We, we got one, and if you don't have one, it's not hard to get one. You can go to a hotel. I don't think they'll put you in jail for getting that one out of the, out of the dresser drawer. In there. I mean, I, I've never heard anybody get arrested for taking a Bible out of a hotel. I mean, it's easy to get one. So we all got them. They're all available. You know what? I'm going, I'm going to go out. I did this the first service, and I feel led to do it the second service. If you don't have one of these, 
if you're here and you don't have one, you have convinced yourself that I can't afford to buy one. Maybe you think they cost about $100. I don't know what you're thinking. But if you don't have one and you desire one, this is what I want you to do right now. Get one of those communications cards. In fact, some of y'all that have one, get one so people won't feel a little self-conscious, you know, so they make them easier to do it. Just, just pick up, get, get a communication card. Help me out here. Because, see, somebody's going to reach up and they're going to get one because they don't have one of these. And if you don't have one and you desire one, if you will put your name on the front part and put on the back, I want a Bible, I guarantee you, we have enough people here that are serious enough about this word that we will get one and get it to you. Do you, anybody agree with me on that? Because I believe that everybody, I believe that everyone should have the written word of God in their possession. Now, I know we got it on our phone and we got it on our tablet, but it's something about opening it up and just flipping through the pages every now and then, okay? So, so that, I'm just going to put that out there. If you don't have one, you know, let it be known, and we will get you one. Somebody in here will go and buy one and make sure that it gets to you. I know we got people that would do that. You know, what, the way it turns out is in this business of Christian life, ranking high among the most neglected aspects is one having to do with reading the scriptures. Not that we don't own it, own one or read one. Not that we don't believe that this is the word of God. I think the reason why we neglect it is because we don't read it in order to live. We don't read it to the point where it gets into us and comes out of us in every situation we face. We don't read it long enough so that it becomes a part of who we are. Our desire over this next 11 weeks is for us to go on a journey to where we will experience the Word of God. I said experience. Not just read it, not just study it, but experience it. That's why the right now media thing is so important because we want to experience the word of God in such a way that we will begin to live by the book. You say, why do you keep talking about that right now? Let me, let, me, let me give you a little snippet to show you why this resource can help us in this journey. Just in a, few, in a, in a minute, you're gonna, I'm going to draw your attention to the screen. Because when you sign up and you go up there and you pick on, on week one, which, by the way, it starts today. Today is the first day. We've got 71 days. Today is the first day. This is the thing. If we do this together, that means that all of us will walk through every book of the Bible together. And these videos are only eight minutes long. And we're going to show you not the whole thing. We're just going to show you a portion of it this morning. Just so, because some of you, you have never seen it for yourself. You haven't seen it for yourself. So I want you to get a little glimpse of it as to what it looks like. So it'll whet your appetite. So we will see if you might want to do it. Let's, let's go to that video and let's see a little bit of Genesis. The book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible and its storyline divides into two main parts. There's chapters 1 through 11, which tell the story of God and the whole world. And then there's chapters 12 through 50, which zoom in and tell the story of God and just one man, Abraham, and then his family. 
And these two parts are connected by a hinge story at the beginning of chapter 12. And this design, it gives us a clue to how to understand the message of the book as a whole and how it introduces the story of the whole Bible. So the book begins with God taking the disorder and the darkness described in the second sentence of the Bible, and God brings out of it order and beauty and goodness. He makes a world where life can flourish. And God makes these creatures called humans, or Adam in Hebrew, He makes them in his image, which has to do with their role and purpose in God's world. So the humans are made to be reflections of God's character out into the world. And they're appointed as God's representatives to rule his world on his behalf. Which in context means to harness all of its potential, to care for it, and make it a place where even more life can flourish. God blesses the humans. It's a key word in this book. And he gives them a garden, like a place from which they begin starting to build this new world. Now the key is that the humans have a choice about how they're going to go about building this world. And that's represented by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Up till now, God has provided and defined what is good and what is not But now God is giving the humans the dignity and the freedom of a choice. Are they going to trust God's definition of good and evil, or are they going to seize autonomy and define good and evil for themselves? And the stakes are really high. To rebel against God is to embrace death, because you're turning away from the giver of life himself. This is represented by the tree of life. That was just two out of eight minutes. Learned a lot just in that two minutes, huh? So this morning, as we start this series, I was contemplating, okay, we're talking about going through the whole Bible in 11 weeks. Where do we begin? Where do you think we ought to begin? Maybe at the beginning. (laughs) So my message title is simply, In the Beginning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and I I, I wanted to pick Genesis chapter 2, not 1, not 3, but 2. And the reason why is because I believe that this morning, to get us started, it's important for us to revisit the way God intended and created mankind and creation to be. You you follow what I'm saying? So that's why we're going to focus in on Genesis 2. I'm going to read a little bit of this, if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to start with chapter, on verse number Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, from where it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first was the Pashan. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The name of the second river is the Gahan. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. 
but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And in verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it guides us and directs us and shows us how to navigate this life. Father, forgive us because we all have failed to be in your word as much as you desire for us to be. Help us, Lord, as we move into this series. Give us focus. Give us strength. Give us conviction. Give us discipline. Lord, help us because we desire to be a people of the book. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to show you three things from this passage. I told you already that I felt that Genesis 2 was where we needed to stay because I don't know about you, but sometimes all of the stuff of this world makes me not remember how God intended things to be. How he intended this world to be, this earth, this creation to be, and how he intended humankind to be. So, the first thing I want you to see is that we were created to relate to God. We were created to have a relationship with God. Yes, it shows that clearly in the scriptures that I just read in the passage. In verse number 7, in verse number 7 it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now he created all of these animals and all these birds. He created all of that from the earth, from nothing. But it looks like when he created man from the dust, God did something different. Do this with me. Just cup your hands like this and just say, yeah, he breathed into man the breath of life. You see, the difference between all those other creatures and his crowning glory, humankind, is that he, he deposited some of himself into man. And guess what, my brothers and sisters? We still have it in us today. So we are better 
than sometimes the world or even ourselves think we are because we have in us. He went on further down in verse number 18 to say that the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. See, see, he cares so much about mankind that he created and he still cares about us today that yes, he still, his spirit still dwells within us. Whoever you are, wherever you live, whatever you've done, it's, we still carry that. And he still tells us it's not good for us to be alone. He would make a helper for him. God created more than our physical bodies. We were made of dust, made in his image. We see that in chapter 1. We're made from dust. That makes us not be prideful. But we're made in his image. That reminds us of our high purpose. And we need to keep both in balance. It has been, made, it has been said that we're made of dust, but dust that gets stuck on itself, you know what that is. That's mud. So we've got to keep that balance. We have to keep that balance. Another thing that shows us that we were made to be in relationship with God is the care and the goodness that he took in preparing the earth for man. Look, 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 look how he did. In verse 18, in verse 18, he says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And then down in verse 21 through 22, that's where he put him in a deep sleep, took one of the ribs, closed up the place with, with the flesh, with flesh, and made a woman from the rib because he told him, he said, hey, it's not good for him to be alone. It's going to make a helper. I, I, I had to go back to the last one, the, verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. They were totally vulnerable. Everything was, was visible. Everything was known. And you know what? God still has that desire for you and for me that we would be able to live life to where we have no shame. And I just wanted to stop by for a few minutes to remind us of his intentions from the very beginning not only for Adam and for Eve, but for everyone that came after us. And I'm going to stay in chapter 2. I'm not venturing into the chapter to come next. We've got plenty of time to do that. I just want to stay in chapter 2. So the first thing that I've said that we taught, the first point, we were created to relate to God. The second thing is we were, we were created or we are created to engage in productive work. Oh, yeah. I know some of you say, oh, what are you bring that up for? Because it's true. Now, now, when we start talking about the Garden of Eden, Eden, you know, some may think, oh, we're talking about paradise. And, you know, everybody just lay back, don't have to do anything. You know, get in a hammock on a palm tree. But that's not the way it was. You see, God planted a garden and put Adam there to cultivate it and keep it. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And take care of it. You see, in, in God's infinite wisdom and his desire and his love for mankind, work was something that was going to get them all that they needed. And it was no strain to it. It wasn't any, 
it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't this thing that we, we dreaded. I don't believe Adam dreaded getting up and tending to that garden because the garden was perfect. Everything was in order. We had to be reminded of God's intention from the beginning because, you know, he's on a mission to bring the world and us back to the way he created it in the first place. So I just believe it, it serves us, it behooves us to just remember where we're going because this is the way he designed it to be and he's determined that it will come back to that. Not only physical work, but mental work. Look at verse 19 through 20. Look, look at this, it's, it's quite fascinating. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Check that out. God brought all of this to the man and just let him, hey, have at it. Adam evidently had the intelligent, the intelligent capacity to name everything that crossed in front of him. And I don't believe he repeated not one. He gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. Now, we may be hard to relate to that. I know. Derek, that's, that's a task. Man, why, you know, why we even talk about that? I can't even remember, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. How in the world am I going to remember all that? I got it. But what I want to say to us is that that same ability, God still, because of his is still in each and every one of us. And I was reminded of that earlier this week. I love illustrations. I look for illustrations everywhere I go. I'll be trying to find something to help bring the sermon alive so you don't fall asleep on me. And I was walking through here one day and God said, when are you going to pay attention? I got your example right there in front of you. I'm talking about this behind me. You see, this started by people having a conversation. I was just talking to some people saying, this is what I've got in mind for this series. This is what I think, you know, I, I'm, we're talking about, we're talking about living by the book. We're talking about the book. We're talking about the book. I, I just see in my mind, and, and this person was listening to me, and then this is what they did. They took this thought and they drew it out. That's creativity. That's their mind at work. That's their giftedness, giftedness coming out. That's something in them that, that you don't have to pay them for, that you don't, have to, you don't have to beg them to do. They just do it because that's what God has, 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 has really gifted them to do. But it didn't stay on paper because just a couple of days, this is what this stage looked like here. As people came, other people that had like giftedness, that kind of got the vision, that had the ability to take their, their eye and train it on a wall and see things that weren't there before as if they're going to be. See, and I'm saying to us that all of us have this. All of us has this. It might not be to do a set like this, but you've, you've got some kind of thing that God has put in you that you do it, and you know what? You would do it if nobody paid you for it because it's just what you were designed to do, and that's a sign that God, God is in us and moving through us. And because of that, because of that, we need to be engaged in productive work. By the way, I need to just acknowledge Amanda, Selah, Asher, Newman, 
Janelle Nielsen, Lauren Heath, Valerie and Jeff Faircloth, Aaron Coward, Jody Abigail and Rachel Cresswell, and Hannah Hudson for making this happen behind us. Didn't they do an absolutely wonderful job? Matthew Henry expresses Adam's work in the garden. He says, while his hands were about his trees, his heart might be with his God. He further went on to say, as we are not allowed to be idle in this world and to do nothing, so we are not allowed to be willful and do what we please. That brings me to my third and final point. God created us to be morally responsible to him. Morally responsible to him. There's something in us. There's something in us, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, that is God's stamp on us, that we know when we're not doing right. And it's something in us that strives to do good. Verse 9. Verse 9 gives us the first hint of the test with which Adam was to be confronted. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in verses 16 and 17, he told him in in no uncertain terms, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. This reveals that God knows what is good for man and what is not. James Boyce observes, the presence of this tree would have been a a reminder to Adam that he was not his own God, and that he was was responsible at all times to his maker. And that has not changed. That has not changed. After all these millenniums, it's not changed. Because God has built certain principles into his universe. And if we violate them, we violate them at our own peril. You say, Derek, I, I don't quite get that. Okay, let me try it like this. You know when you tell that child... Don't touch that stove. You tell the child not to touch the stove because what? It might burn them. You don't, you don't tell them that, you don't tell them that threatening them. You tell them that in a loving, warning way. And out of kindness, out of his goodness, out of his grace, out of his mercy, God told Adam for his own good that he must make the proper choice when it came to the tree. Moral responsibility undergirds all of life and always has consequences. Okay. This is just our initial message. If you want to, don't worry. We're going to bring in some history of the Bible. We're going to talk about the authors. But what we don't want to do on any given Sunday, we don't want to get so, de- so bogged down into the details that we don't spend time with the Word. 
Y'all follow what I'm saying? We want to experience the word. So, so don't worry. As different teachers, preachers come to the platform, we're all going to bring something, usually out of our own experience, to help us stay engaged. But right now, I simply want to say to us that if we cut ourselves off from the historical truths that I've just gone over in Genesis 2, if we cut ourselves off from the truth that we were created by God to relate to him, that we are to engage in productive work, that we are to be morally responsible to our creator, if we cut ourselves off from those truths, you know what happens to us? We forget who we really are. Because if we, if we are not in relationship with God, we are not who we were made to be. If, 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 we, if we don't engage in productive work, and I'm not, talking about the, I'm not talking about necessarily what you clock in on. I'm talking about what God has gifted you to do with your hands and with your minds that you do for his kingdom and for his glory. If we don't do that, we are not truly walking in the way that he gifted and made us to be. If we are not morally responsible, you know how that, how that, how that winds up. If we forget and don't have this moral compass that points to him, this world, this brokenness, brokenness that we have in us and in, around us will lead us down a path that we will forget who we are and find us in a place that we'll wonder how did I ever get here to close this message this morning I want to ask those who's going to pray with people to come forth and, and position yourselves at the altar and we'll do something a little different this morning but as they're making their way we want to, we want to give space because some, some of you there may be someone in here that we're talking about this whole thing about the word and your reality is this. The only time you've read it is when somebody either read it to you or you saw it on the screen or you got in real deep trouble and you were looking for that one verse to gift you out. And you know that Lord is, 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 is just pulling, it's just saying to you, there's more. There's more. You're missing out on such richness. And you need the strength to stay on this journey. You might want to come and simply ask one of these people to pray with you or kneel at this altar and pray, on, pray yourself. You may, be, you may be here and you know, you, know, you know your situation. You've never really confessed that you are a sinner and that you need God in your life. Now, that might sound harsh to somebody, but the person I'm talking to, it doesn't sound harsh. You say, man, you don't know. You, you just don't know how bad it is. For you, this might be your day of salvation that you just need to come for and confess. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And guess what? He's ready to be that for you today. 
Or maybe you just had a rough week. You've got a lot of things pressing on you. Family issues, financial issues, job related. I hope not all of those, but maybe one. And you just heavy burden. Maybe you just need to come and just spend a moment here at the altar. But then for everyone else, I want to ask us all to stand. And if you need to come to the altar, come to the altar. But for everyone else, I'm going to ask us to stand. Everyone, as you're able, as you're able. We're getting ready to leave now. We're not going, we're not going, we're not going to stay here long. We're getting ready to leave. But before we do, I want to ask you to join me in prayer for this journey that we're about to take out for. Would you just extend your arms out, just in a prayerful posture, palms up, just comfortable. And pray with me. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, you thought enough of us that you worked through men, over 40 writers, over thousands of years, over a thousand years, in many different places, to put together who you are and what you mean to your people. And Lord, we thank you for it. Father, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us stay engaged, to stay with it, to not grow weary, to not grow faint, that we will be able to stay on course. We want to, Lord. We want to. We know we need to. But Father, we can't without you. So we ask you to empower us, strengthen us. And Lord, we look forward to all of the testimonies that will come forth as the light goes on and revelation comes and we begin to understand it on your terms and not on ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.